So before we get rolling here, um, I just want to point out to you that might be guests with us. I should have done this at the very beginning. There's a communication card in the pew in front of you. Um, if you are a guest with us, just want to let us know that you're here. There's also a guest book out in the narthex. You can sign that. But if there's anything we can do for you, please fill this out and then just drop it off in the offering plate on your way out the door. So today to honor our seniors. I want to honor a couple of them um, right now. Alyssa, would you please come up here? And Amber, would you please come up here as well? There's a little secret um, scholarship fund. We call it the Pastor's Scholarship Fund. And so you two have um, fulfilled the requirements for that. And it's, we do this low key. Um, they didn't even know this was going to happen. Um, they didn't fill out an application for it. This is just to thank them. I can't look right at you. <laughs> this is just to thank them for the support that they've given our youth group and uh, all the time that they're here. Not, they just, not just showing up on Wednesday night, but they participate, they're answering questions, they're mentoring the younger people, and, and they're really um, putting the gospel forward. So this is a little something for you guys to use wherever you see fit. doesn't have to be on scholarship. Go blow it on some burgers or whatever, gas money, whatever you want. So please give these two a big round of applause because they really deserve it. Thank you. All right. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So today is a day of celebration. Um, we're celebrating our graduates, their achievements. Um, they have toiled. They have studied. They have completed their coursework, right? Yeah, we're good. Thumbs up, more, more or less, right? Completed their coursework. Um, at this time to arrive at these, um, you know, these achievements and these efforts that they've, they've accomplished. So we pause to celebrate that preparation but we also pause to celebrate the beginnings of new, a new phase of life. Um, graduation, believe it or not, is not an end point. It's, it's a beginning point. Um, we call it a commencement speech. We call it commencement. Commencement means something that's starting. Let the meeting commence or let the beatings commence, right? So it's something that starts and it's not something that ends. Yes, we're certainly celebrating the fact that you've completed um, all your things up to this level, but we're really considering what's going to be happening in the future. So the commencement speech should really be more about a future uh, plan or future events rather than the accomplishments that you guys have, have gone through, although you deserve a lot of recognition for that. But we do that in, in our own lives, too. You know, it's not just a graduation that we have uh, something commencing in our lives, something new. We say, you know, uh, something goodbye to something in the past and go to something in the future. Um, we do that all the time. Maybe it's a job change. Maybe, maybe it's a promotion. It doesn't have to be a move to another city or another zip code or another area code even. But it can be just minor things in our lives that we're moving on to something new. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, uh, certainly uh, you're going to be saying goodbye to people. If you don't believe me, uh, why is there going to be so much crying next Sunday at the, at the commencement ceremony, right? Graduation, if you will. So um, I'd like to kind of compare and contrast uh, like those two words like I do sometimes. Like, like I said, graduation is, is the accomplishment. It's the, it's the completing something. It's the recognition. But the commencement is going on to something else, right? Going on to new beginnings, to launching out to uh, a new start. So then we want to apply that to today. And I think it's really appropriate that we're doing uh, Baccalaureate Sunday on what we call Ascension Sunday. This is the day that Jesus ascended into heaven. You heard us reading about it a minute ago. You heard the, the historical account about it. But I want to talk about what it means in our lives. 
Um, sometimes we look at these events uh, in church history and we just leave it as a historical event. We don't really apply the truth to our lives and we don't let the words strengthen our relationship with God, which is really what those words are for, to strengthen our relationship with God and to bring us closer to God, to help us put more trust in him, to put, help us put more faith in him. So that's what we're going to be talking about here. Um, Luther pointed out a couple of things. Um, in one of his sermons that I, that I read um, a couple of years ago, he pointed out that there are four events in the life of Christ. And he said that they form a ladder. Each one of us brings us kind of closer to God or brings us up into the next rung. And these are the four things he talked about. Um, Jesus' birth, his death, um, his resurrection, and his ascension. Okay, so I think as Christians... Uh, we cover those first three really well. The birth of Christ, right? We're talking about Christmas. The death, we kind of gloss over that a little bit and jump to Easter, the resurrection, but then the ascension after that. But each one of them, again, brings us closer to God, brings us to a, a new level um, with God. And then Luther said that those four ideas, those four um, elements point to a fifth element, and that's Christ's returning. So that's something we've got to keep in mind, and that's something that Jesus said, or that the angel said when Jesus ascended into heaven. Okay, so let's look at the day that Jesus... Ascended into heaven, as we say it in the Apostles' Creed. By the way, you guys are going to have to say that later. I, mean, I didn't know if there was, I told you there was going to be a quiz, didn't I tell you? It's going to be, nobody's laughing at that one. All right, so all right, you guys are saying, well, I'm glad it's not me, right? So, and, but once again, uh, before we dig in, we talk about those ter two terms of graduation and commencement, right? This is the commencement, right? This is Jesus ascending into heaven is the commencement. You know, we look at that as a kind of a final thing, but it really isn't a final thing. It's really the going on. We look at graduation as a final thing, but it's really not a final thing. It's really the going on, the commencement that we're talking about. So I want to talk about the ascension. I want to talk about Jesus ascending into heaven. I want to look at it from three different aspects in ways that, again, we can apply these things directly to our lives. You apply these things, learn these things, understand them, own them, and again, bring us closer to God in our relationship with God. So the first thing we have to look at is the, is the record of his ascension. How is this recorded? Um, this moment in world history, it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John talks about it, but not directly. John alludes to it, and we're going to read from John here in a little bit. And of course, in the book of Acts, you know, that Sue read a minute ago. And, but as you read over this a couple of times, and what I like to do, and it's uh, something's in a lot of the Gospels or different places, I like to cut and paste them into kind of one document and then try to fit them together almost like a puzzle piece and see who gave us what details and what more we can learn about a certain thing or not learn about a certain thing. But when I did that with this, the thing that really jumped off the page at me is how brief it is. I mean, think about this for a second. You know, there's 500 and some odd people standing here in front of Jesus. He's standing there on the mountain. He's lifting up his hand. He blesses them. And, and he's literally lifted up into heaven as if he was on an elevator. And this is a piece of history that actually happened. But it's so brief. It's so, the brevity of it just is what, again, just kind of surprised me. And I thought, you know, um, Julius, oh, I gave it away. I was going to play who this. Who this? Julius Caesar, okay, you guys are listening, all right, just, that was just a test to see if you're listening. Caesar said that his life should be summed up very briefly. Caesar, what did he say? What's your history lesson from what Caesar said? I came, I saw, I conquered. He said, that's it. That's all you need to know. And I'm thinking, that's all we really need to know about Jesus, too. He was born, right? He saw who we were, and then he conquered death, and he conquered the grave. And like I said, I want to go back to that ascension. That is something that actually happened in history, and there's some literally unbelievable things that happen in history, even in our time. You want a good Google read? Google that. Un unbelievable events in world history. And I did that because I had some time this week. Actually, not very much. I had some time this week, and I Googled that. And this is the one I picked. Look at this lady right here. We're not going to play who this. This lady right here. I'm going to try to pronounce her name. Vesna Volvic. 
Vesna Volvic was a stewardess on an airplane. Uh, the back in the day, you know, before we had so many gate checks and everything going on, somebody brought a bomb in a briefcase for some reason, I don't know why, but the bomb exploded on the plane, blew a big hole in the side of the plane, and the plane crashed. She's the only survivor. She fell, are you ready for this, 33,000 feet and survived. So again, talk about unbelievable moments in history. This woman is living proof that unbelievable things happen, right? So now we look back, that's nothing literally compared to what the disciples must have been witnessing when Jesus literally just was risen up, from, up into heaven uh, some 2,000 years ago. They were eyewitnesses to this. And again, it's important for us to understand that that actually happened. That's what we talk about on Wednesday nights. These things in the Bible that we're reading are actually real. They actually happened. We have eyewitnesses. And if we were there and had our cell phones with us, man, we'd have some footage of that and that would be some crazy stuff to look at so okay so as i was laying out last week we're talking about this we're talking here about the 40 days between um, easter when jesus rose from the grave and when he ascended into heaven those 40 days and we had a few more days and we're going to talk about pentecost sunday next week but i'm going to kick that down the road a little bit um, until next week okay so um why 40 days why was Jesus on earth after he rose from the grave for 40 days? Why not, you know, as he rose from the grave, why not just scoop back to heaven the day he conquered death, he conquered the grave, he sent death to the unemployment line? Why not just go back to heaven then? The main reason for that, and scripture tells us, I'm going to show you in a second, the main reason for that is so that Jesus could prove to his disciples that he was indeed alive and well again, right, to show them these things. Acts uh, chapter 1 verse 3, which we heard a second ago, is, it really sums all this up. Um, to these disciples, he, Jesus. To the disciples, Jesus also presented himself alive after his suffering. Look at this. By many convincing proofs, right? Appearing to them over, uh, I'm sorry, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the concerning, uh, things concerning the kingdom of God. So there's two things going on here, right? He, showed, he came back um, with many convincing proofs, right? He said, I am not a specter, I am not a ghost, I am not an apparition, I'm not a figment of your imagination, I am eating fish, I am drinking, you can touch me, you know, I'm going to be in different places to different people. So he said, by many convincing proofs, he was proving to the disciples that he was alive and well. And then what else did he do? He talked about things concerning the kingdom of God. That's our main focus. That's been our main focus over these last uh, seven Sundays. This is the seventh Sunday of Easter, so these last several weeks, these 40 days. Like I said, one time he appeared to over 500 people at one time. Imagine the lineup for him getting selfies with that, 500 people going through there, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Okay, so that's the recording of his ascension. Again, I think it's kind of uh, almost like everybody already knew about it. That's how we write history sometimes. Everybody already knew about it, so no reason to really go into detail. But I'm thinking, mm, I want a few more details on this anyway. But, but that's what we're given. And so here we go. Okay, now, that's number one. Number two, I want to talk about the reasons for his ascension. Why did he ascend into heaven? Again, we talk about those four elements, that ladder of light, as, uh, as Luther called it. Um, the Bible is very specific about Jesus ascending into heaven. You know what the Bible calls it? A very good thing. Turn to somebody and say, that's a very good thing. Yeah, so, all right, so uh, John 16 says it a little bit, uh, puts a little more meat on the bone for this. John 16, 7 says this, but in fact, this is Jesus talking again, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. When, it says if, but when I do go away, then I will send him, the advocate, to you. Okay, so break this down a little bit. Jesus saying it's best for you, but highlight that. Best for you. 
Um, what the Greek is, it's kind of hard to translate. This is actually a Greek phrase, not just a single word. Um, this, this best for you that I go away um, means that it, it's absolutely necessary for you that I go away. Uh, so saying it's best for you, to, you know, it sounds like it's in your best interest. No, Jesus is saying it's absolutely essential that I go away. And this, this Greek word also means to bring things together. So kind of the opposite of what we would think. You know, the fact that I go away is going to bring you together. And then we start thinking about what the advocate, uh, the advocate, of course, being the Holy Spirit, right? Advocate is the Holy Spirit that helps bring like-minded people together. So Jesus says, the fact that I'm going away, it's not best for you. It's not a good thing. It's not a very good thing. It's essential. This is completely necessary. I have to do this so that everything can be accomplished. He talked about what was going on um, in the law of Moses and the Psalms and the prophets. He said all of those things are all of a sudden going to fit together. And you, the believers, are going to be fit together because I am going away. But he says, and then I'm going to send the advocate to you. So again, we're told that that ascension is, is, is for our own good, um, for our own benefit. Okay, so now if we were in youth group, we would be asking the question, so what? Right? Okay, so it's best for you, it's for your benefit. What good? What, what benefit? And why do we talk about these things? Why do we bring them together? Why do we you know, leave them on a page as a history lesson instead of you know, putting some skin on these words and actually digesting them and making them who we are? Well, here it is. Since Jesus has gone back to heaven, right? Since he's gone back to heaven, where he came down from, it means a lot of things. We can connect a lot of dots with that, and Scripture does that for us. Jesus is not only our Savior, not only our Lord and Master, but Lord and Master of the universe. And so, again, asking the question, how does knowing and reading all this make a difference to us today? How does knowing that Jesus is Lord of the universe, how does that make a difference in who we are and the decisions we make and the things that we do? We can probably easily say um, that Jesus is Lord of the universe. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus is Lord of the universe. Okay, all right. And, but, but okay, mostly I, I would guess, not judging by your enthusiasm there, but I'm guessing that we can all get on board with that, that Jesus is Lord of the universe, right? I know you're taught not to talk in church because well, you get called on, right? But Jesus is Lord of the universe. Um, but we get on board, that's why we talk and that's why we read about that. But the question then becomes, can everybody honestly say Jesus is Lord of the universe, but we, can we say that Jesus is the Lord of my life? that Jesus is the Lord of my heart, that Jesus is the center of the decisions that I make and the things that I do, think, do, and say. Because until we can get over ourselves, seriously, until we can get over ourselves enough to admit that we are not Lord of the universe, we don't tell the wind where to blow, right? We don't tell, we don't tell every snowflake where to land, Right? We don't teach the birds how to sing, right? Or what kind of food they're going to eat. And we can wrap our minds around that, right? But can we wrap our, um, our minds around the fact that we don't know very much about ourselves when it relates to our relationship with God? Right? That seems like something that's within our grasp and something we can control. But in fact, we've got to give it to God. And we've got to give it to Jesus and say, would you please take care of this for me? Since you are Lord of the universe, certainly you can be the Lord of my life. Since you direct every snowflake where to fall, certainly you can help me with my decisions. So when we make Jesus or allow Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, then he becomes what he said in John 16, he becomes our advocate, which means your protector. Not 
worried about stubbing your toe or falling down. And not that kind of protector. He says, no, I'm going to protect you from sin. I'm going to protect you from death. I'm going to protect you from the power of the devil, the stuff that you can't handle. The powers of the universe that we have no control over and no power over. Jesus says, I got you. And because I've ascended into heaven, I can do all this. I can handle all this because I am Lord of everything. We're talking about salvation here. We're talking about everlasting life. We're talking about now the results of his ascension. Now, I realize there's a lot going on today. Third point, the results of his ascension. When, when's the last time, you know, a lot, a lot going on. When's the last time you saw a fashion show on Sunday morning at, at a church service, right? We've got graduates sitting all over the place, right? That we're on. We've got a lot going on this morning. But Jesus ascending back into heaven, returning to heaven, you know, that's, that's the key to all of this that we do. And sometimes we gloss over it. And sometimes we just kind of maybe have heard about this before, but not really paid much attention to it. Because the Bible doesn't say a lot about it. Returning to heaven, though, imagine the party that was going on there. Guarantee there was a party there. Because the angels, everything we, we talk about, the angels had no clue what the plan was. The angels had no clue what the plan was. Everything we read, according to everything we read, the angels watched the whole thing play out in real time, just like people did. The angels watched the whole thing play out. Max Lucado's got a great book called The Angels Wept. He uh, he talks about how the angels saw these things happening and were just as surprised at some of the things as we are and as, as we were. They knew what we knew. We knew what they knew and vice versa. So the question now is, what do we know now? Right? What do we know now? And at the end of the day, my question is always this, what difference does it make? What difference does all of this make in our lives? Do we bring any of it home with us? Do we let it make a difference? And make, it should make a big deal. This should make a big difference. Because to sum up what we're talking about here, to sum up the point here, our Savior is in heaven right now. Our Savior is in heaven right now. And he wants you to be there with him someday. Our Savior's in heaven right now, and he wants you to be there with him someday. The angels are standing there next to the disciples when Jesus, got ascended, when Jesus ascended into heaven. And they said, what are you standing around for? Oh, by the way, he's going to come back the same way he went up. So, okay. And the, but then 1 Thessalonians tells us exactly what's going to happen. 1 Thessalonians 4.17. It's a little complicated, but we're going to simplify it. Paul is talking, he says, Then together with them, we are still alive and remaining on the earth. Look at this now. We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then look at this. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Caught up with the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. He's going to come down for a moment, make sure everybody else gets on board, and then he's going to take that ferry train back. And there's this one last little promise that Jesus makes for us. See, Jesus had been warning his disciples that he was going to be going away, that he wouldn't be around there much longer. But he said, that's a good thing for you. John 14, starting in verse 1, he says this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. This is exactly like Philippians 4, 6, right? What's Philippians 4, 6 say? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. What's he saying here? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. Then he goes on to talk about the promise. That's the command. Trust in me. Here's the promise. There is more than enough room in my father's home. 
If, we're not so, if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? That's promise. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going, ascending, so that I can prepare a place for you. And he says this, next promise. When everything's ready, I'm going to come and get you. We don't even have to know the way, right? I'm going to come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. So it's not just a very good thing that Jesus is ascending into heaven. It's the most important thing. Not just the most necessary, it's the most important thing. I'm going to heaven and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he says, when you put your trust in me, when we get out of our own way and we put our trust in him, we put our faith in him, he says, I'm going to take care of the rest. So bring it home here. Our Savior's in heaven right now. And he wants you to be there too with him one day. He's preparing a place for you. And I know, I know, I get it, I get it, I know, I know, I know. This world seems like a complicated place, I get it. Life is complicated. It's confusing, it's frustrating, it's complex, it's difficult, it's annoying, it's challenging, right? All those things and a hundred more. But you know what Jesus says to that? When we say that this life is complicated, complex, difficult, annoying, challenging, frustrating, confusing... You know what Jesus says about that? He says, well, it's a good thing that it's not about this earth. Because it's not. He said, and it's about eternal life. It's about having that, putting your trust and your faith in me so that we can have eternal life together. Jesus says, yes, you are who you are. And you are what you are. And that's complicated and that's confusing and that's frustrating. But then Jesus says, you know what? It's a good thing it's not about you. Jesus says it because it's all about me. It's all on him. It's all about him. So the bottom line is this. If we want Jesus to receive us in heaven, we have to receive him here on this earth. If we want Jesus to receive us in heaven, we have to receive him here on this earth. So I'm begging you, I'm pleading you, I'm encouraging you to make him a part of your life. Open up your heart. Let him take control. Let him make some of the decisions in your life. Let his power flow through you and become the person that he created you to be. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me?